Amen. Proverbs chapter 29, verse number 18, it says, Where there is no revelation, no vision, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. Where there is no revelation, or the word revelation we translate to vision, where there is no revelation, there is no vision, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. Amen. And so we, we're, we're still talking about uh, preparing to see. We're still in that series, preparing to see. But today, I want to specifically talk about sight. I want to talk about sight, okay? Uh, if you will, just bow your heads right where you are. Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise, and we thank you for who you are. Thank you for watching over us and keeping us and blessing us and, and just doing miraculous and wonderful things in our lives. Thank you for it being marvelous unto us, God. Thank you for watching over us and, and protecting our youth and our young God. We ask in the name of Jesus that you continue to do so. Father, even as we have entered into this holiday season, Father, we ask that you will cause us to be wise about our spending, that we be wise about our interactions with others, we be wise about how we travel and we move, and Father, that we also be thankful and rejoice in knowing that you have blessed us tremendously. And Father, we ask in the name of Jesus that you continue to pour out your choice blessings upon your people, continue to move in our lives, continue to have your way, and we give you the glory, the honor, the praise right now in Jesus' name. Watch over those that are traveling. Father, watch over those that are unable to be here for whatever reason. Watch over those that are bereaved right now, Father, that have lost loved ones. And Father, I also ask in the name of Jesus that you continue to bless me and bless my household and every household that is represented. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you will also make me Make me prepared to preach on today. Father, hide me behind the cross that man see less of me, but see the glory that you are. It's in the master's name of Jesus that we do pray. Amen. 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 So Proverbs 29 and 18, the, the, the scripture says, uh, ushers, you may rest your feet. Where there is no revelation, where it, there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. The people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. Uh, we have been talking about vision, and y'all remember the uh, little acronym that we gave for vision, that vision is what? Vital information strategically influencing our next steps. Vital information strategically influencing our next step. Now, the last time I came before you, we were talking about vision. We talked about what is a vision and that there are three aspects of vision. That's the God aspect, that the vision comes from God. There is the self aspect, our priorities and spiritual giftings help us to focus on our vision. And then there's circumstance. The vision begins in our present moment where we face the problems that, to solve them. Amen. But it also acknowledges obstacles from our past where we don't live in our past, but we are able to acknowledge them to overcome them. Amen. And vision is the lens that interprets the, the events of our life and how we, we see ourselves in, uh, in the future in respect to God. So we talked about those things on last time that we were together. And I said, I gave you three points. And I said that vision is for everyone. Amen. Vision is for everyone, even for our children. It's important for our children to have a vision uh, as it pertains to life. Vision is for everyone. It's a plan for our future. The Bible says in Jeremiah 29 11 that God has a plan for us. He has a plan to prosper us, to not to harm us, but to give us a future and an expected end. So vision is for everyone. And, and I remember saying, telling you to this, this quote by P.K. Bernard that says, a man without a vision is a man without a future. A man without a future will always return to his past. 
And so we want to be careful because we, we need to catch the vision. We need to make it plain. We need to write it in such a way that whoever reads it can run with it, can, can move forward. And that is being us. So we can move with the vision that God has given us. Vision not only is for everyone, but vision bridges the tenses of our life. Our present vision will serve as a bridge to walk from the past to the future. Amen. So vision is important to deal with going from our past, not staying just where we are, but moving forward into our future. We also talk about vision is life's painting. So to get first, there's a process. And there, I told you about my brother, how he would go through the process when he would, when, as an artist and he was learning to, he was taking art lessons that you start with the canvas. You start with that blank slate and you start with the canvas and you begin to get your supplies together. And then you come up with an image, you imagine, or you come up with this image of what you want to see on that. Then you begin to sketch it out. And then as you begin to sketch it out, you fill in all the details and you make it more elaborate as you go through each step of the process. That's what happens with us. Because the thing is, and I thought about this after I left on last time that I was here with you all, uh, last the other Sunday, the first Sunday, I thought about this, that if God gave me everything that I needed to know right at that instance when I asked for it, I would not be able to handle it. That's the reason why he reveals a portion at a time. It's just like children. It's just like children. Y'all remember when we were growing up or y'all children now? Y'all remember when the presents are all up on the tree? They get so excited. They get so excited. They want to open everything at once. But the thing is, you can only open one thing at a time. Even if you even if you let, have all the gifts laid out in front of you, the thing is, you cannot physically do that. You cannot physically open everything at the exact same time. And that's the way God sees us. There are some things God has to step us through but we have to have vision to know where are we in this process of painting in our life am I just at the canvas process where I, where I have finally cleaned the slate here's the thing some of us have not cleaned the slate some of us have not cleaned the slate some of us trying to paint over old stuff now, I, 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 I'm, I'm by no means any person that, that understands construction whatsoever. I do know what a plumb line is, and I know how that things need to be square, okay? So I don't understand all the things about construction. However, I have done enough cleaning up on stuff to understand that if you keep putting a layer on top of layer on top of layer on top of layer, it won't be able to last. The wise thing is to go all the way back down to the natural grain or back to the natural surface, sanding off all the old layers in order for the new thing that you're putting on there to be able to hold. Am I right, Brother Jill? Because if you keep putting those layers on there, all you're doing is caking on stuff on top of old stuff. But here's the thing. Some of us, some of us, let's just be honest. Some of us, we have to clean some slates, but some slates we keeping. Some canvases we holding on to. We keep trying to put a layer on top of it. Amen. Amen. So uh, we talked about that. So today is preparing to see, and we're talking about your sight, preparing to see sight. So how, how do you interpret life? How do you interpret life? Uh, I dare to say that we interpret life by our core values. We, we have core values. We interpret life by our core values. Now, our core values, you can look at it like this. It's the lens or the eyes of our heart. What do we hold dear as the governing factor of how I care about my, by, myself? Your core values. Your core values. So let me just give you this, this, little, this little tidbit here. The truth is, when it comes to our core value, we say we believe one thing, but we actually 
believe a different way. Let's just be honest. We say we believe one thing, but we actually do believe a different way. I'm going to give you one of the most uh, basic of analogies uh, or understandings of that as a believer. We say we believe that all sin is sin, sin is still sin. But we start categorizing, well, if someone just took a dollar, that's different than a person stealing a million dollars. But hold on now, if we believe that sin is all sin, you can't, now I'm going to put it out there, you can't be mad at the homosexual and be okay with the adulterer. That's just the truth. But listen, be honest. Let's just be honest with ourselves. We say we have that that core value that all sin is sin, but the truth is that sometimes we do start putting things in categories and we weigh things differently based on what our experiences may be or may be based upon, you know, how how we were raised or whatever it may be. We start weighing out things. Amen. So our core values are the basis. It's the lens of our heart. It's not our head. It's it's our heart. That's what makes up our core values. Our core values. Now, there are core values that every household, every family should have. Amen. There's core values that, that every family does have. You know, some families have core values that we that nobody eats until all of us are here. That's one core value, that we all will be present sitting at the table before any one person eat. That may be a core value. A core value for a family is that we don't eat in front of the TV. You know, the TV is off. With The core value may be that there's no TVs in bedrooms. That may be a core value for the family. It may be a number of things, but the core value is the standard by which we are going to operate as a family. As a part of this household, it does not matter. It does not matter whether you, whether you like it or you don't like it. The truth is, this is the standard by which we will operate in this house. These are the values that we instill in you. When you come home, you do your homework first. You get a snack you you eat that snack and you do your homework first then you can worry about tv especially now now when we were coming home before you know you had those after school specials you can do your homework first then because if you didn't watch the after school special right when you came home you would miss it there was no dvr back then but now, children can't can record that little show and watch it after they finish the homework. So, core value, maybe you come home and you do all your homework first, and then you go ahead and watch, you know, a little bit of TV. Whatever it may be. But everybody has core values. Some people have core values about the holidays. Some people have a core value that for every two gifts that you get, this is, I've, I've heard someone teach this, every two gifts that you receive, that you have to learn how to give one thing away. That's a core value that establishes that it's better to give than it is to receive. So they're establishing that core value in their children. We talked about today, we talked about today in our Sunday school, or our Bible study on this morning, we talked about that we had a core value, that when you came to church, you had your quarter, your dime, your nickel, your penny, your dollar, whatever it was. Your parents made sure you had, made sure you had, as, as, as Elder Taylor said, made sure that you had Sunday school offering, made sure that you had benevolent offering, made sure you had table offering, made sure that you had sunshine band offering, made sure that you had BTU offering, made sure you had whatever. The core value was that you don't come to church and not offer something to God. That was the core value that was established in the household, that you give something to God. Amen. 
Amen. A core value may be that you are a drug baby. As, as Elder Taylor was talking about today, I love that. That you are a drug baby. You were drugged to church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. You came, you got there at 8.30 to help turn on the lights to make sure the air conditioning was on, the heat was on. You got ready for Sunday school at 9.15. You got ready for worship service at 11 o'clock. Then you stayed for lunch that was at 1.30. Then you were ready for the 2 to 2.30 program. And then you left there you went to another church in the evening that had a musical that night and then you went back to the church to make sure everything was turned off and you got home on Sunday probably around 9 o'clock at night and then you were still told do you have any homework that you didn't finish <laughs> anybody remember those days <laughs> but the core value was that if the door of the church was open and we had the faculties of our mind and the mobility of my limbs we were going to church that was a core value now core values have changed over time we know that we know that you know one core value that I that I grew up with that my parents my per parents personally strongly believe in and Eloise and Leonard Hadley when I come home I'm gonna show you this video so I can make sure that you know I said this about you but my parents my parents had this core value spare the rod spoil the child my parents really believed in whipping. <laughs> they, they believed in it. That was a core value. That was a core value. Now, here's the thing. You know, you know my parents were the type, and y'all heard this before. My parents were the type that they would let it build up on you. They let it build up. They, yeah, they, and they start bringing up stuff. I'm talking about you don't forgot that you did it. I'm talking about it's been, it been two weeks, and you're like, you bringing up old stuff. We don't move on past that. And they getting you farther. But my parents had a core value that you were going to be corrected if you made a mistake. You know, that's the core value of, you know, one of the things that has changed is that people, people now, unfortunately, laugh at stupidity stuff. Your child is three years old cussing you out and you think it's cute and funny. It ain't going to be cute and funny when they six years old cussing out the teacher. You having to come up there and get them and take them home. Core values have changed. But what it is, it's not a view about the head. Your core value is the establishment of your heart. What do you intend from your heart to be the standard by which you will live? Here's the other thing. Let me tell you this one. When it comes to your core values, it attracts us to people that have similar core values. It attracts us to people that have similar core values. And what's interesting about that is that in the book of Joshua, chapter 18, verse number 10, it talks about how Joshua assigned the portions of the land, but he assigned it according to the vision that the people had. They were, they, he, he assigned it according to this group of people are attracted and do these things together, and this is the vision that they have. So let me give you the understanding. <clears throat> Caleb, y'all remember Caleb, one of the two that did not see death or encounter death when they left out of Egypt, but made it into the promised land. Caleb said, I want my mountain at 90 something years of age. Caleb says, I want my mountain. Now, Caleb and his folks, they were attracted together to be in the high place, to be up in the mountains. But what was interesting is that David didn't assign people that were farmers to go with Caleb because it just didn't fit. 
Well, I need you to understand when it comes to your core values, you may have to make some tough decisions about family, about friends, because some folks just don't fit in your life based on the standard by which you live. Y'all can say amen better than that because that's showing up the truth. Some folks just don't fit because you're trying to get to your mountain and they just satisfied with the valley. So when it comes to us having sight, we have to be willing to, to be honest with ourselves. What's in my heart? Amen. What's in my heart? Okay, so there's three things I'm going to share with you and I'll be through. All right? Number one, when it comes to sight, there is foresight. Foresight. Foresight is, is like a telescope type view. What's, it's a telescope type view. It's, it's what's ahead as it connects to our future helps life make sense. What's ahead as it connects to our future helps life make sense. It's a telescope type view. Foresight. You know, the thing with a, with a telescope is that, for, or with foresight, like a telescope, is that when you look at the telescope, it brings things that are at a distance into a, a natural, into a some form of perspective, right? That's what a telescope does. That's what foresight is. Is that looking ahead. Some of us, some of us in this room, we have been having foresight for our children and even our grandchildren that may not even be on the scene because we know we are still right now, even in 2017, looking ahead because there's something on the horizon for them and I need to start looking for it now. Amen. So we start making, making preparation now. But there has to be foresight. Proverbs chapter 2 verse number 11 says, foresight will protect you. Understanding will guard you. In the New King James Version, it says discretion, foresight. This, 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 this understanding that as I look ahead, that the things that I do now can, can mess with my future. Are y'all hearing me? The things that I do now can mess with my future. That's the reason why as a, as a student, if you are a student in school in any kind of public education setting between the grades of kindergarten through 12, you need to understand that everything you do right now can have a, an adverse effect on your future. Gone are the days like it was for us when you applied to college that, they, they, that all they did was take your application and your essay. That's it. Now they look at your Facebook page. They look at your Instagram. They check out your Snapchat. They start calling up your old teachers and all that stuff because they need to know what kind of person am I really getting. I know what the paper may say, but who they really are is what's hidden from the paper. Are you hearing me? Foresight says that I got to understand with my telescope that ahead is what I'm trying to get to and I got to make preparation right now. That's the reason why if y'all ever seen some of the movies like some of the movies where you have the sailors out on the ship, you notice that they have that they have the telescope and they're looking out for land. They looking out over the horizon to see what is ahead. And when they say when they see land, they say land ahoy. That means start making ready because we're headed to the thing that we're looking for and that's what we have to understand that God gives us foresight to let us understand that he does have a future prepared for us there's not only foresight but there's also insight 
Now, foresight is a telescope type view. Insight is a microscope type view. You know, with a microscope, it can cause you to see things that you don't naturally see with the eye. That's what insight is. Insight is not about anybody else but yourself. Insight helps me to understand why things happen in my life. Insight helps me to determine the motivation that I have for the things that I do. That's what insight does. Insight is this microscope view. Because when you deal with the microscope view, now you're not dealing with surface matter. You're not dealing with surface things. It's just like when they examine you for cancer. They don't just look at what's on the outside of you, but they look at one on the depth on the inside of you to understand what really type are you dealing with. Because when you start examining your heart, you really know what kind of heart you have. But do you know that some people are scared to find out who they really are? Some people are literally afraid to find out who they really are. But the Bible teaches us, the Bible shows us that we have the responsibility to have insight. So I want to share with you uh, Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs chapter 16, beginning in verse number 1, verses 1 through 3. Listen to this, Proverbs 16. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 1 through 3. It says, the preparation of the heart belongs to man. Listen to that. The preparation of the heart belongs to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways are, 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 listen to verse number two, all the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes. But the Lord weighs the spirits. Commit your words to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. This scripture tells us that it's an internal thing that I have to focus on. That it's not just a surface thing. It's not just about what people see on the outside because you can look good dressed up. You can look good. You can look well put together, be a, be a hot mess on the inside. And the truth is, is that you won't have full and complete success and joy and happiness in your life until you deal with what's on the inside, not about what's on the outside. You can buy every car that you want. You can live in any house that you may desire to have, make all the money on the, in the world, and you can still end up like Howard Hughes, hidden away from everybody because the money and the fame and all that cannot buy you the peace that you need on the inside. Insight tells you, I got to have peace with myself before I can have peace with anyone else. There's insight. Then there's oversight. Now, I'm not talking about oversight as in the sense of overlooking, but I'm talking about oversight in this view. We have we have foresight, which is a telescope view. We have insight, which is a microscope view, but then there's oversight, which is a helicopter view. Oversight, that's where you learn to put things in context. Some, some, listen to this, some perspectives we can only view from the vista to help us understand where we are in respect to where everything else is. Anybody ever found your house on Google Earth? If you do a look of your neighborhood on Google Earth, you're allowed to see in that vista view 
not just your house, but you're able to see what everything looks like around your house. And so that means that I do have to have oversight. I need to understand not just what's on my horizon in my future. I don't just need to understand what's on the inside of me, but I need to understand what's around me. Anybody just drive to your house and you never look at your neighborhood? No. What we do, we take notice of what's going on in the neighborhood. If we start seeing new cars, we start asking questions. Did somebody new walk in, move in? We start seeing people walking in the neighborhood you've never seen before. You start wondering what, what, what's going on. Because the thing is, you have to understand that this is where I dwell and I need to understand my surroundings. And so when it comes to oversight, it's that helicopter view. You gone up and you left just being able to walk in this dimension of just moving here. But now you got a view that lets you see around yourself to understand that there's some folks that surround you that don't need to be around you. That's what oversight lets you see. Oversight lets you know that some places that you've been going, you don't need to go anymore. Oversight lets you see that some folks that you've been hanging out with, they don't mean you any good anymore. Oversight allows you to put things in context. In context. First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32 talks about the sons of Issachar. The sons of Issachar, verse, chapter 12, chapter 12 of 1 Chronicles says that the sons of Issachar, they understood the times and had knowledge of what Israel should do. They knew the surroundings that they were in. See, oversight keeps you from being ignorant. Are you hearing me? Yeah, I know the saying that says that ignorance is bliss, but it's not. Oversight lets you keep, keeps you from being ignorant. Well, Pastor, how does oversight helps you keep helps keep me from being ignorant? Well, it brings us to the last thing that is not a foresight, that's not an insight, but it's not it's it's beyond your oversight, and it's about his sight. His sight. That's the heavenly view that only he has. It's that view that says that you're more than a conqueror when everybody's saying that you can't make it. It's that view that says that they could go from 600 applications to being you the only one to pass the flight school. That's what, that's what his sight says. His sight says that you may have been counted out time and time again, and you may have had a foresight. You may have dealt with your insight. You may have had an oversight about your contest. But when God gives his sight to your life, And when God gives a sight to your life, he starts to set you up for what is on the horizon that you may not understand your steps to get there. Can I show it to you? The Bible says about Moses. The Bible says about Moses in the book of Exodus chapter 24 through chapter 28. The Bible says that Moses had an encounter with God. Y'all stay with me if you don't mind. Moses had an encounter with God and when he goes up on the mountain thank you Jesus when he goes up on the mountain the Lord tells him how to prepare the tabernacle he tells him here's all the dimensions that you need for the tabernacle he tells him here's the materials that you need to gather for the tabernacle here's the way that you will set it up and bring it down every single time with the tabernacle but here's the great thing about what God was doing what he was depositing in Moses about the tabernacle was setting them up for the temple. Yeah. Because-
because the same perspective that he gave Moses about the tabernacle laid a foundation for what will become the temple. And that same understanding that he gave about the temple, about the place being the holy of holies, the very place that God would come and dwell with his people, says that it showed up in, in, in Judge chapter 1 that Jesus Christ, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, came and dwelled in tabernacle among his people. That same power that was in the temple showed up in Jesus. And thank God that on the day of Pentecost that God had enough sight to take the power of the tabernacle, the power of the temple, the power that Jesus had and put it down on the on the inside of us by his spirit. That's what sight is. Sight is understanding that 2,000 years after our Savior would die, he still would have an outlet for me. That's what his sight is. His sight. Ladies and gentlemen, my argument to you today is that we have to have sight. We have to take a telescope view about things in our life. We have to be willing to investigate and look on the horizon and try to see what's ahead. But at the same time, we got to be willing to deal with what's on the inside. We have to have insight, but we also need to understand where we are. And that's our oversight. I need to understand the context in which I am. I need to understand that I, I may be with some folks that mean me no good. Or I may have pushed away some folks that really did have my back. But because they held me accountable, I didn't like what they said. That's oversight. But when it all comes down to it, you can have all the foresight, insight, and oversight. But if you don't get his sight, if you don't start declaring the promises of God about you and your house, if you don't start declaring the promises of God about you and your children, if you don't start declaring the promises of God about you and your grandchildren, you won't be able to move to where God is trying to take you. Sight. Everybody's standing all over the room. 